What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast Season 6, Episode 31. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. We have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? It's going pretty good. So this is Episode 31 of Season 6, so it's the penultimate, I think, the penultimate episode of Season 6, right? But more significantly than that, it's actually episode 180 of all of the recordings that we've done for this podcast and uh, you know that's just 20 20 episodes away from the from the you know significant 200 right i love a milestone well i guess that's that's a larger discussion are we going to do the last episode of loki oh yeah no i guess i guess we should do that <laughs> we can we can okay, wrap so it, it up with, we can it. wrap it up with lower decks and just leave it it's at five episodes of loki but, but one but one yes i feel like we're in a monty python skit now Mm, yep. Oh, and on, and according to our first headline, there might be more stuff to do. Oh, goody. All right. Well, let's dig in. So, fact check. Um, Mac Whisper, which I mentioned last week, it was actually written by Jordy Bruin, not, but, or he, or whatever I said last week. So, Jordy Bruin, Mac Whisper. Great, great little application. So, I highly recommend it. And um, we'll dig into the headlines. And I've got the first one up here. This just came out a couple of days ago on the Facebook that initially I saw a, a, a post saying December 9th. I'm like, hey, December 9th is coming. And then turned out that, no, there was another episode, December November 25th. So they've announced the three episodes with David Tennant and Catherine Tate uh, as November 25th, December 2nd, and December 9th. These are on BBC Player and on Disney Plus for the rest of the world. So that's another question. Are we going to cover those while they're out? Well, we certainly could. What do you think, Spotcast fans? Do you want to hear us talk about Doctor <laughs> Who's 60th anniversary episodes? Let us Did know. you say fans? Don't you mean fans? Fan, fan. Well, more, more than one fan. We see them on our, our Slack channel. Yeah, we have at least three. At least three no, fans. Not counting us. <laughs> we love yeah. us, to be fair. We love us. We are great. Yes. I'm a big Jaime Lopez Jr. fan, frankly. Yeah. All right. So what do you think, Jaime? Should we do the, the new doctor? Let's see. How are they spread out on the calendar? Let me try to understand this. So right after Thanksgiving. Oh, wait. There's Wait. Thanksgiving's over. What are you talking about? Yeah, we had Thanksgiving like two weeks ago, Jaime. I should have said right after. I should have said after Thanksgiving. So it's still true no matter <laughs> No matter what. After Thanksgiving. <laughs> and what was the other day? The second. When is Thanksgiving? Uh, look in the Ameri- sorry, when is American Thanksgiving? Wait, I 
I'm pretty sure it's the 23rd, but the, the way the weeks line up makes it look like it's the 30th. One sec. Oh, I've got it as 23rd here as well. Yes, you're right. No, I have a deadline that's coming up around Thanksgiving or Black Friday. No. Yeah, Black Friday is the 24th, right? Uh, yes, 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'd like to welcome all our friends to the after show where we usually talk about our scheduling. <laughs> so when do you guys celebrate Red Memories Day, Jaime? What is your Remembrance Day? <laughs> That's a trick question. Everybody has the same Remembrance Day. It's 11 11. 11 so 11 at 11 a.m. So Veterans Day is what we have, is probably the equivalent given the name. Oh, we don't call it Remembrance Day? No. Is, is it for folks who have served and, uh, yeah. and passed? Yeah, vet, uh, yes. yeah. Oh, wait. Well, no. Um, no, that's Memorial Day. I apologize. Uh, Veterans Day is for all veterans. So like, uh, Memorial Day is probably what I'm thinking of more more in line with your Remembrance Day. Yeah. Carrying on. Carrying on. Speaking of uh, new stuff coming to the TV, this one uh, I had kind of forgotten was coming. So they're doing a TV adaptation of the very popular video game Fallout. And this week, we got a rather cryptic little teaser trailer that dropped that reminded me, oh, yeah, they are doing this, and it's coming in 2024, so we got our first little taste. It's not much of anything. It really is just a little sort of countdown following Pip-Boy, uh, the little, a little uh, person who is the, the icon for the, for the game, with a little countdown clock on it, uh, apparently counting down to April 12th, 2024, that we're going to see... Uh, a Fallout Day uh, is the is the event in the game, and that's going to be the day when it launches. So uh, it's coming to Amazon Prime. The star is Walt Goggins, who, of course, is uh, one of our favorites from Justified. Uh, really tremendous, tremendous actor. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how this one does, because um, it's, it's funny, because it's a very original game. Uh, in its way, but it also is a little derivative of sort of larger sci-fi. So it'll be interesting to see if they can make this show stand out. The cast seems really good. It's uh, Goggins and Ella Purnell, Kyle MacLachlan, Zelia Mendez-Jones, Aaron Moulton. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can make something new out of a sort of post-apocalyptic world you know is it like a zombie apocalypse thing uh, yeah there there is i mean they're they're mutants i guess is is more what they are there they're people who've suffered from uh, radiation uh from sort of the fallout of, uh, of a nuclear annihilation so yeah it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of do something different but again building in really good actors is a good start because uh hopefully they've got some meat to chew on but uh yeah interesting news I mean, are you a Fallout player? Uh, not modern stuff. I was thinking, like, what was the last one? Probably, like, Fallout 2 in the late 90s, when it was a very different kind of gaming experience. It was more uh, like Diablo, I guess, point-click-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, people online were kind of wondering, well, is Amazon going to be able to handle the um, the style, the dark humor? I'm like, do, do you not watch The Boys? Because it feels like that'd be right in line. Just take those people and say, great, are you done with that? And they'll make Fallout, and you'd probably be half of the way there in terms of the kind of storytelling that you can tell. I mean, they, they clearly do a lot of the dark humor in The Boys. And, it, and it's telling that that's the same network, right? This is the same people who bring you The Boys. It's Amazon Prime, right? So mm-hmm. you, you might be satisfied because they will they will be. Uh, comfortable with that level of of sort of uh over the top and occasionally gory humor 
It's funny. It's almost struck me as I've never played it, but it all, because of the the icon guy you mentioned, I don't. I was wondered like, is it like a Archie Comics kind of thing? You know, like got that look to it, right? But I mean, at least the the uh, the marketing does. But I guess not the game itself, right? No, the game itself is pretty grounded and gritty. It's but there's this sort of running motif of they, they basically created all these brands inside the game, and hmm. you know, it's part of the running sort of joke of the game that you you keep running across these, you know. Like Slurm and Bachelor Chow and something exactly like that. Exactly, right, yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. all these sort of embedded little product placement things, but it, they're all kind of uh, subversive and, and weird. Hmm. Now it is my duty on Spotcast to deliver some crushing news. No. Tom Cruise's so. yep. new mission has been delayed. Uh, we got news this week that Paramount Pictures has delayed Mission Impossible 8B by... Almost an entire year. It was supposed to come out in June of 2024. It is now coming out in May of 2025. And this is because of the, of course, the actor's strike and, of course, the writer's strike have led to a lot of delays in Hollywood productions. And so this is going to be uh, one of the casualties that is going to have to kick down the road a little bit for uh, for all those fans. So if you were just dying to know what's going to happen to uh, Ethan Hunt in, uh, in after Mission Impossible, uh, what's it called? Fallout? Doesn't matter what it's called. Mission Impossible 8. <laughs> uh, Dead Reckoning, I apologize. Dead Reckoning yeah. uh, mm. was the was the first part, part one, and now there's a part two. But yeah, it's uh, it's... It's interesting. I mean, obviously these things happen when these circumstances come up, but it's weird to have uh, something that is sort of like billed as this like one-two punch and gets kicked down the road another year. That's a long time to make people wait for uh, a cliffhanger. I don't know if it ended up cliffhanger. I've not seen it, and I won't let's see it. Mm, it wasn't really a cliffhanger. It was kind of, well, I mean, I guess you could call it a cliffhanger, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't wait to ha- see what happens kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So... Are you crushed? Are you are you are you going to be okay? Do you need to lie down or? <laughs> no, actually, it's also like in the same article they're talking about a Quiet Place Day One, which is I guess the third um, Krasinski film mm-hmm. is being is it is it him doing it? Because they're talking about him doing If as well. Hello, Ryan Reynolds, Krasinski, and Alan Kim and Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah. So oh, it's moved up, not moved back. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the bottom line is. We're going to see a lot of this continuing. We're going to see a lot of stuff moving around the calendar. TV shows we thought were coming at a certain point. Movies that we thought were coming at a certain point are all going to get shuffled around because, frankly, there's just not enough content. And the studios are kind of scrambling to fill holes because they know how long it takes to produce these things and, and roughly what they're going to have. And it's going to mm-hmm. be a problem for the next few years. There's, there's no way to have a pro- protracted strike like the two that have gone on and not have consequences. Right. And they're talking here about how the, the mission landed after or just before the Barbenheimer came out, right? So, yeah, I mean, I recall we did a segment on it on this show talking about the fact that it, it uh, kind of underperformed for what they expected for it. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it was, I think it was a bit conceited for them and for anybody who's thinking that we're coming out of this pandemic and or a writer's strike, actor's strike, you know, without, without cause, because I mean, um, yeah, the Maverick was kind of like, oh, good, we can all go back to the theaters. But I mean, the re- reality is a lot of people didn't go, and it doesn't mean that theater has returned. I mean, a lot of things haven't returned to normal, what we kind of used to think of as normal, right? Not surprised. There's going to be casualties. Yep. I'm still surprised at how many uh, how many um, 
of these fictitious universes don't cover uh, COVID, right? I mean, it's like like mm. it's like denying the Black Plague or or the first pandemic, right? What was the other pandemic? The blue black. What was the other one? Well, the influenza uh, pandemic and and uh, yeah, last week everybody wore masks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, well, I guess they could do it like. There was a there was a Robert Pattinson movie that like weirdly ends with nine eleven spoilers for whatever that movie is. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the thing I also picked up here that was kind of interesting in terms of you know they're committed to making this other movie, but they also kind of want to distance it from the the box office disappointment that they had. That it will no longer be Dead Reckoning Part Two as the title. So whatever its new name, it says we'll arrive with a new name, but doesn't say what that new name is. But it will definitely not be named Dead Reckoning Part 2, even though it's essentially what it is. Yeah, I mean, spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it. it, it I mean, it doesn't end well. I mean, it ends, but it doesn't end well because he doesn't he doesn't solve. It doesn't you know stop the MacGuffin from becoming the Mega MacGuff, MacGuffin at the end of the movie. Sorry, Jonathan, I don't mean to spoil it for you, but. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and and like I said, it it could have ended like ten times in in the the, the when I saw it. Like I could have like I kept thinking, oh wait, we haven't seen the the motorcycle stunt yet, right? So um, it kind of it kind of ends, you know, the the bad guy gets away with it. But I mean, like you know, they've always sort of had that you know Darth Vader spinning off into space kind of you know vibe in in a lot of Bond movies and things like that, where you know Spectre gets away with the thing, right? And even though he solves the problem of the day, there's always some other major thing. Notwithstanding Daniel Daniel what's his name? Um Daniel Craig's solution to the last Bond movie. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. Um but yeah, that that kind of he kind of goes out with a bang as it were. Um yeah, I don't know. It's not soul crushing but it but I think, you know, it is what it is. It doesn't I mean it could I mean I'm totally okay with it coming out with another name. In fact, I was really disappointed that it came out in one half, you know. They could have, I think they could have suspended more or gotten more attention out of it. They hadn't called it part one out of the gate, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll drop it back, uh, part one back into the theaters to try and goose up the sales a little bit before the second part comes out. Cause it'll be, a, have been a while. Yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. And he didn't get, he didn't get, uh, I mean, he was disappointed. Tom Cruise, I'm talking about, was disappointed that Oppenheimer was going to trump him with, uh, with IMAX space, right? Because uh, the way the way the theaters were booked, um, it was going to kick out. Uh, uh, Oppenheimer was going to kick out um, the Dead Reckoning, right? So it's the same reason why I went and saw the the last movie, which was the um, um, post-apocalyptic sci-fi, never been done before story, um, The Creator. The reason I went and saw The Creator in the first week is I figured it was going to it was going to last long in the in IMAX, right? So it's too bad. We used to have this really cool theater in, in Toronto, the Cinesphere. I think it's still under renovations or something like that. But that was, they would always run these kind of movies just, you know, ad hoc, right? You could go see them whenever you wanted to or needed to, right? So, I mean, I, 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 that's one thing I don't like about IMAX is they always sort of show the latest movie, right? They never really go back and back into the coffers and show some of the amazing IMAX movies we've had over over time, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny because the there's been a trend over the past few years where more of the sort of mainstream theaters are showing older movies. So, you know, over the past few years, like I've gone to see Back to the Future, Back in the Theater, you know, Goonies. They put all kinds of stuff back in the theater, which is awesome. It's just that they're often in like one of the smaller side theaters. Like, show me, put Back to the Future back in in IMAX. Like, do do me do me something huge. Uh, first time I actually, the first time I saw Back to the Future was uh, 1984. 
2005, I believe, when it came out, uh, we saw it at the Cinesphere. And so the first time I saw it, it was massive. So that made an impression and made it one of my favorite experiences and led to me, you know, lifelong fan of the film. So, yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw an alien cut, like the, they did, they did an an IMAX version of alien, the original Sigourney Weaver. Well, he's in all of them, but you know, the original 1977, 78, that one came out. And I also saw Phantom Menace in, in IMAX with a special 3D cut, right? And I mean, it was cool. I mean, they even cut out some of the, the the horrible scenes, which was which made it a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit. I'm just you know a little tiny bit. Better. That's nice. Uh, yeah, but, I, I took uh, son to go see that when it came out in 3D just to a regular theater, and I uh, he, he loved it. He did. He did. He, like, he's got a real so like as a lot of kids in his generation have a love, a lot of love and a soft spot for that movie. Yeah, I thought I saw that with Xavier, but um, the uh, and then I've seen like things like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I've seen Blade Runner in IMAX as well, like you know, just because at that theater, Cineplex, like I said, right. Sometimes Scotiabank Theater will play stuff, but not very often. Usually playing the the, the big hit, right? And I mean, it's annoying because I've got two uh, theater, two IMAX theaters within the walking distance of each other downtown, right? <laughs> you know. I did see the, the, the Stop Making Sense. I went and saw that on IMAX. That was really good. And, and by the way, the Talking Heads were on uh, Colbert a couple of nights ago. I saw that they were doing that. I heard he yeah. confessed that he he blew off one of their concerts to go uh, work on some schoolwork, and they were disgusted. Yeah, yeah. and she said, uh, she said, you know, you're probably glad because they were all high, and the, the students were all high, and you probably wouldn't have made them get your essay done. So, <laughs> um, Cool. All right. Now, this next story, I thought we talked about this, but hit us with it, Jaime. Yeah, it's unclear to me if this is just news of its landing uh, or if this was a previous um, change that was completely unrelated for pricing around Apple TV Plus and other Apple services. So, you know, each of the services is seems to be moving up. There's not a really great chart here, but like if you were used to the uh, $7, I'm just going to round up so it's easier, the $7 per month US for Apple TV Plus, soon you'll have the opportunity to pay $10 per month. Yay. And similar for Apple Arcade going from $5 to $7, uh, News Plus going from 10 to $13, and I didn't see music, but I'm pretty sure that's going up too. Why not, right? Include well, Apple One's got to go up then. That's the, the, the one that I have, right? Which is the right. whole bundle. So right now, the... The individual plan for one, which is something that I have, is uh, I'm going to call it $17, and soon it will be $20. Family goes from 23 to 26 and looks like Premiere goes to uh, goes from 33 up to 38 So uh, And we had, uh, didn't we have a price bump like in the last couple of years, too? Yeah, um, I, it looks like uh, Apple TV Plus is probably getting this first bigger bump. Because I think it's been five dollars for like forever, and then now is going to seven. But the you know the way to get you on the raising revenue. So I'm looking at the services. So right now, like before this bump goes up, I'm paying seventeen dollars, which includes Apple Music, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, and the fifty gigs storage tier of iCloud Plus. Oh, so, you're on the iCode Plus. For- right. But if you were to, so for $17 today, if you were to purchase those individually, it'd be um, $19. So you save a couple bucks. And it looks like you'll save a few bucks here as well uh, on that. So if if you were 
in for something like Apple TV Plus and Apple Music, uh, you might as well just go in for that because you really should pay for iCloud to get, you know, at least some more storage, of the five yeah. gig storage. And then you're essentially getting Apple Arcade for free. That's kind of how I justified it in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to I had to get the two tier two terabyte iCloud Plus, so so I'm sort of stuck with the Premier, I think it's called, right? Yeah, and even if you're not a subscriber, you're not into this sort of stuff. The sort of key thing that you've probably heard time and again on this show is everybody is raising their rates. So, yeah, uh, the the calculus becomes all that much more important. Of and especially now that we're like about to hit this big lull of you know what's the best thing to do uh will you when you continue to pay will you put on hold and since we are coming up on american thanksgiving black friday deals is what i will be keeping an eye on because you know i don't know that a lot of people will want to you know prepay for a year when it's cheaper when it's like well what am i going to watch like one show in 12 months <laughs> but if mm. you make it for like a dollar a month like I got, you know, Kulu originally. I was like, oh, maybe, why not? So I think we should keep an eye to see who gets really aggressive or creative with like, okay, there's not enough, uh, there's not enough potatoes to bulk up this stew. How do we sell this? How do we sell this meal so people are interested in it to, to get them through the lean times of uh, content not really being there? And, it is what it is. And, and what won't we do for Canada while we do that to the United States? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad they don't charge us an extra 50 bucks that they do like in the state. I know they charge us the exchange rate, but like with when we buy Apple gear here in Canada, mm-hmm. we always pay a little bit more than just the exchange. So I'm glad because these are digital services, they can't figure out how to do that, right? Or I don't know if that's the CRTC or whoever's doing it, but somebody's adding on or making Apple add on an extra $1,500, depending on what hardware you're buying, right? Which is always annoy me you've got translation costs so all your manuals suddenly need yeah we have to ship them by truck and yeah exactly and then extra bandwidth costs for the unnecessary use here and there you know it adds Mm -hmm. up that's true that's true (laughs) ow jaime ow (laughs) (laughs) the person who has to sit there look in the mail and be like all right so what do we put in imperial units and what do we put in metric because that matters change the word of color for every instance we mention it what (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a lot of labor with a u labor with a u yes exactly yes yes it is um so my la- my last thing here is uh there's one more thing after this but my last thing is i saw an ahsoka 1980s tv style trailer somebody's put out uh, it's a bit long i actually thought for a 1980s trailer but but it's got the whole sort of you know a team kind of vibe to it so it, yeah so it's fun to sit there and watch the a recut of um the you know in an 80s style uh trailer so cool and covering up you know the the friends and you know and the one is uh hera who hera the pilot who's always dressed like a pirate no matter a pilot no matter what uh what she's uh doing right so yeah. heart of a pilot <laughs> which reminds me after we finish recording i have a joke for you guys yeah um this is a weird like trailer for a song that is going to to come out uh uh, November something I November I saw earlier. Interesting. So now and then the final Beatles song, which we'll talk about that, debuts on November second, and then the music video on November third. So presumably it'll be like on Apple Music and Spotify and stuff uh, on the second of November. Um, so they got uh, you know the 
surviving Beatles. You've got uh, Paul McCartney, uh, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr, and they're going to use uh, good old AI voice tech off of oh, really? uh, George Harrison and John Lennon to finish their unfinished track recorded back in the seventies. Yeah, they found they found a John Lennon track, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think when I watched this trailer, it's like, oh, Yoko Ono said, yeah, I think I have like a cassette tape of that. And uh, thank heavens, people are, are keeping this stuff. Um, you know, we've talked about in this show of like, you know, fun things that I've seen, like, uh, was it uh, Paul McCartney singing um, Elton John's Yellow Brick Road? Or uh, what if Elvis did like Baby Got Back from Sir Mix-a-Lot? Like there's all sorts of weird sort of funny things, but filling in the pieces here goes a, a interesting direction. So, Tim, I'm going to ask you first here, because we've definitely long seen your opinion on like um, the the artist intent and et cetera, out of yeah. like uh, George Lucas or Steven Spielberg tinkering with uh, the original Star Wars trilogy or with E.T. What are your what are your thoughts here on, on this one? Yeah, I think it's funny. It's funny you ask that because, you know, when I when I kind of saw the clip on, I think it was on Twitter, I saw Ringo Starr had, had posted in The Beatles, which is another Twitter account that I follow, had mentioned it like one after the other kind of thing. And they showed this little this little trailer thing. I think that's what you've got here in the clip. Um, and immediately I thought, oh, OK, they're, they're going to do that again because they did that freeze a bird thing. You know what? When the um, when they did the whole archive series, right? The or anthology stuff. Yeah. The anthology series. Yeah. They did. A, they did three songs, I think. Right. Freeze a bird came out and it, it charted. Right. So I don't know. I can't remember how how high it charted. And they did that one. The, I think George Martin's son, Giles Giles, did a mix of a, on an album called One, which was like a redo of from the original tapes kind of thing. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see the Beatles doing stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe it's my bias, but yeah, I think they're given a pass on it by me. But um, it is kind of, you kind of wonder what the intent is. I mean, um, I, I don't think it's a marketing play like it would be for other people. You know, like, it's not like they're they're doing like the 30th anniversary. Oh, we found a Kurt Cobain tune that we're going to redo, right? Because if you listen to it, there have been a lot of documentary on them. Um, on uh in utero because it's the 30th anniversary of in utero and, and it's am- amazing to listen to how they that was like their sort of second i mean it wasn't their f- second album but it was the second one where they sort of were in the mainstream right and it's the last album they recorded together right but but um yeah i don't know when you when you dig out i think i'm probably more critical of the rolling stones new album in my mind than i am of of the beatles doing this Right. I can't see this being, you know, Eleanor Rigby or, or you know, uh, I am the walrus or let it be or hey, Jude. I can't see it being that caliber, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is a bit, it does, it does have a sort of a feel of like a black velvet painting, you know what I mean? Like in, from an art perspective. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it, it is kind of kitschy, but it's tricky because so many of these artists, now again, obviously, you know, uh, Paul very much, Ringo slightly less, uh, was, you know, the heart of the Beatles along with John. And so you kind of want to give them some latitude, but at the same time, it is kind of weird. Like there's, there's this sort of push and, and I don't know where, if it's just greed from, from the sort of legacy of the record studios and stuff like that to continue the band's existence long after, you know, how many albums have we seen from artists who have been long dead? That aren't just necessarily compilations, but they, oh, we found this tape. Oh, we found, oh, we got, found this. Oh, it's a live recording. Oh, there's this. 
you know, there are artists obviously who've been dead for 60 years who are still getting, you know, brand new albums. You know, like Elvis had a song out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right? Like what's, what's going on? And I don't know. It's, it's challenging. Cause I, I do definitely, you know, like there's some artists where, you know, every time they put out a new Stevie Ray Vaughan, I'm usually my ears perk up, but more often than not, you know, a lot of these are, you know, well, they took a demo and they put some spit and polish on it. I'm like, but do, do you think they really wanted those to, to, the light of day i don't know well it, it could be unfinished works too i mean there's a lot of that too like but yeah. but it's like you don't you don't see them digging out a new or making a new picasso painting for example right yeah you, you they do find sketches and they do find you know people you know the the find a something in their attic that their grandmother bought when they you know when picasso was a kid kind of thing but you know you don't you don't get that kind of like in that art world you don't get that. i mean Music is different because there, you know, there are bad cassette tapes lying around, and we do have technology to make them look better. And and because it's a, it's not even a two D medium. It's like a, it's a medium that can be um, resurrected in a sense. You know, like I've got some bad bootlegs that I'm that I've heard better mixes of over the years. You know, um, like I'm thinking of like some Pink Floyd stuff that I have that's just horrible on LP. But but I've seen I've heard remixes of it. And Pink Floyd just did the what a, a remix of the. Of their live performances from 1972-73 when they were touring around Dark Side of the Moon, right? So, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but you're right. It, it, it's kind of like you give Sir Paul a pass or or whatever, right? So, I don't know. All right, so that's it for this. Yep. All right, that brings us to the main part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek, and this time once again it is Star Trek Lower Decks, season four, episode nine, The Inner Flight. Yeah. So, oh, I forgot what my pitch. I think was. that's Inner Fight. Inner fight. Oh yes, the inner fight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like right here, in terms of Easter egg, the the title definitely spoofs the inner light, which is probably why why that uh, portmanteau became why a real word. Is, uh, yeah, Roger Banks would say. I'm trying to remember what my what my pitch was. Uh, you know, I think it was in. Um, yeah, so so hit us with your uh, your elevator pitches. Jonathan, go right, first. I'll go. Uh, so I had uh, nothing brings strangers together faster than the risk of imminent death. <laughs> yep. I mean, yeah, I couldn't get anywhere good with this one. I, I went with, you know, the very basic, the crew of the USS Cerritos needs to safely find and relocate ex Starfleet personnel who are being targeted by the mysterious uh, uh, shuttle, but also have to deal with an extra reckless mariner. So I might mind. My pitch actually came. To, I was chatting with with Keen again today, of course. Um, but it was, my pitch comes from the very last scene, and it is I aim to misbehave. <laughs> yep. <laughs> History, Bob. Let's be bad guys. And that's pretty much what he says at the very end, doesn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Spoilers if you haven't seen the show. Um, I just want to go to the episode and see if they've got a got a synopsis here because we never we always record right after they come out and we never get to see what the the tldr is so they say captain freeman assigns the lower deckers to over over an overly safe mission to try and keep a self-destructor mariner out of danger that's the elevator pitch from on the imdb page today that's a fair assessment yep best pew 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 i don't remember the pew well there was a lot of a lot of uh um some of the, the swirly uh, um, hand-to-hand combat that Mariner and the, the Klingon dude have, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have that as well. The duel with the Klingon on the storm planet and the shards of glass falling from the sky. 
I went a little sideways on this one and took the uh, best bit of action as uh, Freeman versus the Balakalike, uh, the <laughs> character that looks like uh, Balak from the the original oh, yeah, series. The yeah, yeah, so the yeah, puppet, yeah. and she's like, "I know what this is. This is a this is a robot, and or this is a puppet." And she just picks up the little aliens are just shaking him. No, no, I can see he's got internal organs. Stop shaking him. And we finally did see a Cardassian. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Cardassian? No. Yeah, I've always said Cardassian, but, you know, yeah, Cardassian. Like, people make fun of the way I say JavaScript, right? <laughs> You're doing your own thing. You're an original. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it lends itself so well, you know, like, like keeping up with the Cardassians, you know? Oh, I've watched that show a hundred times out of a hundred. Garrick and Ducat star in Keeping Up with the Cardassians. So there was, I mean, there was tons of Easter eggs, obviously, in this one. I mean, oh, yeah. um, and and Keen posted a bunch too. So we should probably. I want to see what he he got one that I didn't get. I'm just let's. I'm curious to see what you guys have for it. I'll start with the. I'll start with the the original series uh, spaceship spacesuits. Oh yeah, Those, mm. yeah because with you know the, with the things on the side and the helmets and the yeah. tall helmets. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, what'd you have? I had uh, Thomas Riker, who is now canonically alive. Because everybody yep. wondered, you know, uh, he was part of the uh, the Maquis. He was, you know, captured. He turned himself in after he took the Defiant. And there was separately, during the Dominion War, this like, oh, the Maquis have been wiped out, right? Like, the mm. Cardassians of the Dominion just completely wiped him out. And we hadn't seen Thomas Riker or heard of him in anything else yeah, since the late 90s. DS- yeah, so people were like, "Is he is he dead? Did he get wiped out with everybody else?" Like, no, he's canonically alive as of Lower Decks, where they're presumably going to go try to find him, even if we don't see it on screen. He's at least, as far as Starfleet concerned, uh, canonically alive post Dominion War. Yeah, yep. And so you've got pretty much the same ones. I think the only one you didn't put here was Seven of Nine was mentioned as well yeah i mean and uh, beverly crusher i think i had that in my notes if you, if you look below it was the retrieving seven and crusher thomas Riker, and and nick lacarno though so i, I yeah i didn't pull that up because yep although i did like the uh I, and i pull i kept it in my quotes so i can spoil one of my quotes now which was when boimler rolls over in his sleep and says teach me how to tap dance beverly crusher yeah that was a good one <laughs> yeah i laughed doctor. out loud that was really funny mm-hmm. we get to meet beverly crusher uh yeah no i mean obviously the the crux of this episode follows the the nick lacarno character which of course was played by uh robert duncan mcneil in in uh star trek the next generation the famous story where uh the cadets do a mission they're trying to do some very special flying stuff and and accidentally get one of their people killed and lacarno is the one who ends up getting booted out of uh, starfleet academy for engineering this and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil played this character and was so good that when they were trying to fish around to find somebody who could play the Tom Paris character, they were like, well, let's just call Robert Duncan McNeil. Um, and he came back and played the voice in this uh, episode of, uh, of Locarno, which is fun, especially because he already played Tom Paris in this show. Yeah. And uh, and then Ensign uh, Sito, who's uh, Ensign Sito Jaxa, was uh, a character who first appeared in that episode but then went on later on to be on the very now famous Lower Decks episode of uh, TNG in the final season, where uh, she gets recruited to go on a mission uh, and she ends up getting killed. And it turns out that 
uh, Ensign Sito and Mariner were very close friends, and she was just ahead of her in the academy. And so we learn one of the reasons, or the reason, that Mariner has been chafing at being promoted all these years is that she never wanted to have a rank higher than Sito, because if it was good enough for Sito, it was good enough for her. Um, which is kind of a nice uh, breakthrough for the Mariner character, because not just has she been on this little reckless streak, but this has been her sort of, you know, raison d'etre for the last four four seasons, right? She's just self-sabotaging, or, and the question was, is she doing it deliberately? Is she doing it uh, inadvertently? Is she just a, a flake? Or is she, you know, maliciously trying to sabotage her career? And it turns out she was maliciously sabotaging her career. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And um, doing it for, like, that, that really sort of understandable but still messed up reason, right? Like, although this is not a quote from Mariner, it might as well be. Uh, so Balin Skull from Ahsoka saying, I miss the idea of it, but not the truth, the weakness. Feels like it would resonate here as well, of like Mariner liking the, the ideals of what Starfleet does, but not the become the general and send the troops in to die needlessly, like Instancito did, mm-hmm. her friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we'll just sort of jump ahead in the episode, but obviously this whole episode uh, sort of culminates with finding out that this mystery ship that we've been kind of wondering about all season that initially we thought was destroying all of these uh, these ships, but then turns out it was stealing all these ships and now turns out to be kidnapping famous people throughout the universe is actually, you know, Nick Locarno in his ship. So, you know, tying all these threads together in a, in a I will admit, pretty satisfying way you know we, we've talked all season about well who could it be what's the, is there a usual suspect wouldn't have called this one and it's a really deep cut but it's a good one yeah the the chain here of how these easter eggs fit together is so banana so working sort of backwards right from nick lucarno uh so he and Encinito were in that um that episode where wesley crusher and the others like covered up the Starfleet Academy um, accident where like somebody died when they were trying to do that illegal and dangerous maneuver in their uh, ships, some sort of like shuttles or something they're, they're flying around. And if you recall, the reason Insensito even ended up on the enterprise is because captain Picard specifically wanted to give her a chance to get past that ugly mark on her, on her record. Yeah. Right. Um, and she did end up getting chosen for the, the actual, role here because there was a Cardassian uh, defector or something and mm-hmm. they needed a, a Bajoran uh, captive or slave or something to sort of sell or attempt to sell the idea of what he was doing and returning and the title of the episode where this goes down for uh, Ensign Cito, uh meeting her demise was in that seventh season episode of called of TNG called Lower Decks. Yep. This yeah. sort of brings it all sort of full circle here of mm-hmm. how does this this show, which we said, oh, like the Lower, uh, sorry, Lower Decks episode. Um, it's it, it seems really well put together here. I was really impressed how this came together and a little surprised in some respects that it's in the, uh, the penultimate episode of this season rather than a uh, a season finale or even a series finale. Interesting yeah. uh, choice here. And it was interesting because they talked about the, there was one sort of quick line 
with the multiple aliens on the planet, along with our heroes from Cerritos, one of them says, you know, we were just sort of minding our business on our own ship, and my lower deckers betrayed me, and the other one says, me too. And so it, it, it's also tying in that as well, that, you know, on these other alien ships, the lower deckers are, are have sort of rebelled, right? So, um, you know, I, I think that's what we're supposed to be left with, is that the, you know, the people who are down on the planet were the sort of leaders of these things, and the lower deckers were the ones that kind of set them up in in, in working with Locarno. So, so it's a, a lower decks re- revolution. So the one, the one thing you didn't, did you notice the, the insignia on Locarno's jacket? No, end? that was a good one by Keen. I didn't notice it. I, I saw it in his notes afterwards, the, the, uh, the logo. Yeah. On our Slack channel, by the way, folks, he posted that in our spoiler zone that, that the maneuver that the cadets were doing in first duty, which is the name of the episode, um, is like, it's, it's a circle with like the five of them, I guess, heading towards each other or something like that. Uh, which is why it's particularly dangerous, and it's it's drawn on the Klingon bird of prey, and it's also on his jacket. So, yeah, which is cool. That was caught by or pointed out by Keen. The other two uh, Easter eggs that I uh, had, so we talked about Balak. That was the, of course, the weird alien. Uh, very famously in the end credits, you see that uh, the the creature over and over again. So that's why it kind of stands out. But uh, of course that's the episode with little Ronnie, uh, little Ronnie, little Clint Howard, right. Mm-hmm. Um, pretending to be sort of the wizard of Oz behind this, this giant creature. Uh, and then muds bar, the, 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 the name of the bar that they go into to try and get this information is muds. It doesn't explicitly say Harry muds, but that seems like a pretty direct reference. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The muds bar. It's like corks bar last two weeks ago. Quark's Palace. Well, right? we've seen a few different iterations of Quark's Bar over the course of the series, right? Because it's now apparently he's franchising. Well, now that his brother's, you know, Grand Nagus, he's probably got like easy to get permits and stuff, right? Yeah. Cool. And quotes. Quotes. Uh, let's see. I had <laughs> that cold oh, open. We didn't talk about the, po- oh, the big question. We'll come back to the we'll big question. We'll come back to the question. Uh, the, the, the cold open where they started off by repairing this, uh, this. Uh, research station and of course the research station is a trope from all these star trek series as well you know these you know two people down on a planet doing research into dot 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 and uh this 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 little this uh fellow and his partner who are uh, researching these venomous tremble lizards their skin's drenched in neurotoxin and their blood is a corrosive acid oh and if you touch them your eyes shoot out of your head yeah <laughs> Yeah. Followed up by uh, followed up by the you know when he does finally get attacked. Oh wow, the eye thing is true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also when the the defense goes down, of course, as of course it always does, right? The fence goes down yeah. and uh, these things start running inside, and then of course Mariner goes on her little uh, crazy mission to try and lure them outside, and they fix the fence. He says, and with the fence ex- and with the fence repaired, I'm back to respecting these noble creatures. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, Mariner, again, always delivering the killer one-liners. Uh, Tanya Newsom, awesome. Where's an unexpected high-stakes space anomaly when you need one? And, uh, yeah, we talked about teach me how to teach me how to tap dance, uh, Beverly Crusher. That was Boimler. My line for the episode, the winner, was definitely uh, when they're mm-hmm. going to the pickpockets uh, section of the planet. Uh, this is Rutherford and Shax and Freeman. And uh, Freeman says they're going to the pickpockets district, and Rutherford says, "Jokes on them! These pants don't even have pockets." Wait, they do, Captain. Did you know we have pockets? 
<laughs> yeah. So the big question is, did we know that they had pockets? That was my big universe? question. Did we did we realize that there was pockets? Are there pockets in Star Trek uniforms? I never seen anyone put their hands in their pockets. Not once, not ever. No, exactly. But I, I kinda wonder if if the costume, you know, the the you know, the what do you call it, cosplay people if they put pockets in their, their pants. Right. right. So, if you're if you're mm. a cause Star Trek cosplayer and you're listening to this, we'd love to know. Is is this a pragmatic versus uh versus you know, authentic well, I know Carol has thing. patterns. Carol has patterns for all these these uniforms, right? For all the Halloween stuff that she does, right? So I'll have to ask her if there's pockets in these pants that they design. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because they do also not seemingly wear belts, but then you see them have like tools on their belts, like phasers and tricorders and stuff. So uh, I think there's a like there's magic magnets, Velcro, like something's happening there. Yeah, actually, it's funny, you know, they mentioned the belts because there are a couple of early fir- first season episodes of uh, the original series where they you see them with leather belts and the leather is like wide where the where the phaser goes into almost like a pocket kind of thing. Right. So so there are like holster, like gun holster kind of style belts in, in only in a few episodes, not every episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They do kind of carry their, their communicator on their hip. Right. Like the, like the blackberries of old. Yep. I mean, did you have anything else for your uh, quotes or or your uh, questions? No, for the the quote, I doubled down or double jeopardy. What is it? Uh, the double jeopardy? Daily double. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Daily double on the. Uh, he wasn't kidding about the eye thing from the cold open. Um, my my bigger question. We sort of already talked about of like, does this episode resonate as tying together TNG uh, and lower decks um and the the sort of minor question i have is exactly what color do of blood do klingons have here in lower decks because i'm pretty sure the klingon had pink blood right like yep. the way we would have seen yes, in yeah. uh, undiscovered country yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah because it was at one point where he's attacking somebody and got covered in green or blue goo well, i guess he's killing an orion or whatever right well, no, it's the the part where he he gets stabbed with the shards of glass start falling. He's got pink blood, and then when they go right. up to the Klingon ship, he kills the the replacement captain Leader. and comes up yeah. covered in pink blood again. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That Pepto Bismol kind of color that they put <laughs> yeah. in. So I guess it wasn't uh you know like a horror movie for um, uh, Star Trek: Sixty Undiscovered Country, um, and it's not green like a Vulcan or a Romulan. Well, I think I think it's um, like a, a, a shot at the Klingons in general that that it's you know the the pink blood right as opposed to anything other scarier color right so like a black tar kind of color right yeah it's particularly interesting yeah. that uh, Klingon blood wine is of course blood red as you know as in you know most mammalian creatures here on Earth so wouldn't it be funny if they're drinking like like pink Pepto uh, Bismol. It wouldn't like. Would they seem really tough if they were drinking a pink liquid of some type? <laughs> that would be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, hmm. especially with when uh, Spock goes and has a drinking contest with them in in um, the other show, Strange Stranger World. Yeah, cool. I did have one more quote, but I can't remember what, what I, I thought I'd written down, but I can't remember where. Or, or maybe it's a quote from Loki, but I and I can't. It's not in my notes, so I don't know what happened to it. Oh well. Now. A word from our sponsor. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, back to the show. But should we move on to Loki now? Yeah. All right. So here we are. Loki, season two, episode four. The Heart or Heart of the TVA. Name of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. What do you got for your pitches? All right, Ham, it's your role. I went with, as time is running out, he who remains is the only one who can save the day. Mm. I went with a right. little more uh, grim. So I'm just going to just just flag, if you haven't seen this episode, we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So it's impossible to talk about without talking about the end. So mm-hmm. that being said, you've been warned. Uh, my elevator pitch is a bunch of MCU heroes are dead again, but at least this time we only have to wait a week and not a year to see their resurrection. Yeah, it was an interesting episode, especially especially the um, the, the sort of anticlimactic uh, solution with the time the timely solution. Let's put it that way, right? The timely occurrence at the end there. Yeah, it was quite fun and funny. I like subversive television. I like I like writing that takes you to the unexpected. And again. They really built it up over the course of this episode. Oh, it's going to have to come down to this. No, we're going to do that. And of course, it all just goes completely differently than you think it's going to go, right? Mm-hmm. You you think you've got it figured out that, you know, oh, okay, so Victor Time has got to do this. Maybe he's going to turn on them. You know, the idea is that he's supposed to put on the spacesuit and he's supposed to take this device out and he's going to fix the loom. But maybe he'll betray them or maybe there's some sort of subversive thing going to happen there. And then it turns out, of course, he walks at the door and he turns into spaghetti and then the loom explodes yep. and everyone dies and, you're, and it just fades to black. And you're like, well, that is not where I saw that going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, we, it's some, we literally end with just, you know, an explosion, theoretically everyone dying, although what they're hit with is not necessarily an explosion, but is actually time radiation. So that's a thing. Mm hmm. And, you know, we'll circle to my big question, but, you know, there is some ways that they could have gotten out that weren't available to them before. So maybe it's the end and maybe it isn't. I think Mr. Data is going to figure something out because he's going to remember something that they didn't. Oh, sorry. Wrong show. (laughs) Turn off the inertial damplers. Uh, uh... Yeah. Send Riker a message. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I figured next week they'll just be like in in an endless loop, right? Uh, or they'll go, or or they'll come, they'll come to some conclusion from because it was like a timey wimey loop thing. Because at one point Loki comes across himself from an earlier episode where he gets I don't know what they call that that wand that they use to to disintegrate people. Yeah, disintegrate variants. Um, because he ends up disintegrating himself in front of Sophie, right? And he goes, "I'll explain later." 
Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I had for my best pew 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 was the moment where Loki realizes he has to kill himself, right? Mm-hmm. That was, uh, you know, you realize that you're in a temporal paradox and you know that how it plays out and you have to play your part is always very interesting. And that moment where our hero Loki realizes that he has to kill a variant Loki in order to continue what he knows happened is very surreal. And then, of course, he looks at, at Sylvie and says, uh, you know, this will all make sense eventually. Later, yeah. Which is probably, and again, he happens to be staring directly into the camera when he says it, too. So, of course, that's for us, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way that he he comes around the corner and then, you know, you realize you're in that moment that we saw a couple episodes back and you realize, oh, because we saw Loki get uh, disintegrated, how how we didn't really know in the moment how that happened. And we thought, oh, God, did we just see the end of Loki or what? You know, how did this happen? And then you realize, no, this is just a temporal loop, right? Yeah, because it was actually in the in the, uh, the the what do you call it, the recap at the beginning of the mm-hmm. show too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It would have been cool if it wasn't in the recap and you and you kind of just watched it and went, wait a minute, let me go back three episodes again and watch that part again. Yeah, uh, yeah. I made you anything different for your pew pew pew. I, I just wrote down um, two items: the instant spaghettification. Yeah, uh, as a fun thing to watch, and uh, to a lesser degree, because I guess you know for reasons that would have uh, made this a, a horror movie, uh, Miss Minutes and the tiny box with the oh, docks yeah. and her crew. Mm-hmm. Like we, we get the intent of them being smushed into um, a fine paste, I assume, <laughs> but we don't actually get to, to see it. Uh, we but just then see, we see uh, Hunter B-15 when she goes in to speak to them again and finds the remains. And it's just like, well, it's like, a, it's oh, like a yeah. box with ground meat in it. Right. Sort of. Well, they'd be liquefied, right. They would, yeah, they would yeah, literally yeah. just mm-hmm. be like a big pile of spaghetti sauce. It would be, yeah. be horrifying. But yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously that they're not going to show that that's too horrifying for a, a you know, Disney plus show. But even just the look of just absolute horror and disgust on B-15's face as she realizes what has happened is, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty scarring. So I had some Easter eggs. The I felt like the beginning of the episode when they're sort of going through the, uh, the time stream felt a little bit Doctor Who-ish, a little, I think that might have been deliberate, a little, you know, this this show has sort of not had not been shy about its homages to other time-related science fiction properties, and I feel like that was a, a little bit of a nod to Doctor Who. Uh, a little, little bit after that, there was a, a mural on the wall at one point where uh, they're standing there and they're looking at it, and you see all of the Kangs, the purple and, uh, and the blue. You see all the Kangs fighting off on the one side of it. It's only on the screen yeah, at the end of the hallway when they're yes. were chasing Victor Timely. Yeah. Yes, it's when he stops at the end of the hallway, and there's two murals, and the one on the one side shows all of these Kangs basically fighting for supremacy at the top of this tower. And uh, you know, again, the question is, is that a trigger point? But it was, you know, that was a very overt reference to Kang and the sort of the the larger legacy of what's happening here. Um, and then the, the funniest slash best Easter egg was when Ouroboros, of course, is trying to uh, illustrate how he thinks that this can be uh, this this problem can be solved, and very much does the Christopher Lloyd uh, scale model gag from Back to yeah, the Future yeah. one and three, 
of, you know, uh, oh, I didn't have time to paint it or do it to scale. And I didn't have time to carve out figures for everybody. And that was such a, uh, such a back to the future reference and joke. That was, it was very good. Mm-hmm. Did you guys catch anything else? I feel like it was intentional, even though it's not exactly the same to have Miss Minutes access denied feels a lot like Dennis Nedry's uh, little uh, 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 yeah. yeah from, from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good call. I, you know, in the moment I heard it, I thought, oh, that sounds familiar, but I couldn't place it. That's, that's a really good pull, Jaime. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump to the quotes and then we'll, we'll circle back to the, the big question. So uh, <laughs> the part at the beginning where they're talking about how they can solve this issue and somebody's going to have to go out there and do this thing. And Mobius says, okay, well, Loki's really going to have to hoof it then, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> throws him head first into the turn? bus. Yeah. That was very yeah. funny. Because he just says yeah. it's so deadpan, too. It's, it was, that was really good, uh, Owen yeah. Wilson. Um, I'll, I'll uh, delete the expletive here, but uh, Sylvie says, uh, when she's, she's um, uh, chastising Mobius for wanting uh, to, to not necessarily focus on the problem at hand, uh, and eat pie. He wants to eat pie. He wants to eat pie. Everything is turning to bleep, and you want to leave it to them while we go and have some pie. Great idea, Mobius. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Um, and that was a good scene too, because it's that's the first time she sort of references the fact that uh, you know he doesn't seem, especially now that he knows he's a variant, he hasn't really expressed any interest in where he came from or who he was or you know all that too, which is. Uh, Interesting. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of speculation on the uh, places like Reddit and and some of the vlogs are uh, people talking about where he might have come from and who he might be and is he tied to something we've already seen or not. And so, yeah, I think that's another sort of tip towards uh, there might be a bit of a reveal coming as far as who Mobius really is. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also the the scene where uh, Kang is talking to Miss Minutes and says, "Wipe all their memories." Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wipe her and she's talking about we're talking about Renslayer, but then he says yeah wipe her memory and they wipe all their memories right um from this this was a great scene the scene between sylvie and loki whether they happen to be in the the pie room uh burn it down easy annihilating is easy raising things to the ground is easy trying to fix what's broken is hard hope is hard and tom hilston crushed that um and then followed up by when she says, you know, uh, seems like either way we do, any way we do this, we're playing gods. And he stops and there's a long pause and he says, we are gods. That was such a great line. Oh, good writing. Um, and yeah, I mentioned the line uh, when he disintegrates himself. He says, I promise you this will make sense, which that very much felt like he was speaking to the audience. I had uh, OB saying, it's like a snake eating its own tail, which is right. yeah. nice because his name is Ouroboros, and that's yep. exactly the Literally symbol. Literally what Ouroboros is, yeah, exactly. eating its own tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, and, and they meet, they, the two of them meet, and, and Victor Timely is reading Ouroboros' book, Manual of the TVA, and Ouroboros is reading Victor Timely's version of the book. Yeah, it's it's that's uh, the, the temporal paradox where they each inspired each other to write these write these things. Yeah, yeah, and they want to get this. They want them to inscribe their name in, in each other's books. And she says, "Can we solve this problem before we and inscribe later?" You know? <laughs> yeah, 
So my big question is, obviously, this seemed like it came to a pretty apocalyptic end. It, you know, they see this explosion. We see Victor Timely's uh, spaghettification, as I may very eloquently put it. And uh, we also see, you know, this wave sort of hit everybody and then it cuts to black and that's the end of the episode. Uh, but they explicitly say in this episode that uh, rebooting the system will remove the block on magic being used at the TVA because that was the limitation that right. was put on Loki previously was that uh, he was unable to do any magic in this, uh, this And both place. Sylvia and him say, turn it the block off. off. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, my question was, did they magic their way out? Is, this, is there a magical solution or is this just uh, part of the temporal paradox? Because I think that mm. that seemed pretty convenient that they could do that. Although we did also see the magic used in a different way. Um, strangely, uh, that resulted in uh, brainwashing Brad, you know, mystifying Brad and, uh, and having Brad kill Renslayer, which, again, seems incongruous. It seems very unlikely that Ravona Renslayer is just dead in that kind of way but uh yeah 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 it's interesting i don't know it's like it was a bit it was a bit like the uh, sopranos right just fade to black yeah although now we know we're getting two more episodes so at least there's that but uh it'll be interesting to see how they pull this all back together because uh i really feel like uh it's this was i think the the strongest episode so far this season uh because we've got all the players in the same place right you know the, the previous episodes we sort of had some stuff happening at the TVA and some stuff happening in one timeline and some stuff happening in another timeline. Here we finally get every, all the players in the same place and then they all die. So it's pretty, it's pretty uh, good. And, I, and like I said, I think that, that uh, the performances in this one were super strong, I think uh, across the board, but that scene between um, uh, Sophia DiMartino and, and Tom Hiddleston, Loki and, and Sylvie in the, the automat where they're talking about, you know, how how all this is going and how it's going to go and what it all means. I thought that was a really terrific scene by two really good actors. Yeah. I, I was kind of wondering when they're in the automat, like where did they rebuild those um, doors or were, or did they find a restaurant that had them or whatever? Cause, cause they used to be all over the place back in the sixties. Right. Yeah. I think I actually went to one, one of the kids. The, the the sort of retro future tech thing vibe that they've got going on in this, and we saw a bunch more of it. Obviously, we've been seeing it in the TVA sort of th- straight through, but even more of it this season is just, I love it. It is just hitting me right where... Everything's orange and brown. Oh, right? you know, like, God, it's like my childhood come back to vivid life. You know, everything's, yeah, like that sort of uh, color of orange and brown. My grandparents used to have a carpet that color. There's no, no avocado things, though, because avocado was the other color that you could get. It's true. It's true. That was the the chair that was up at the cottage, right? That uh, yeah. I think we had avocado refrigerator or an avocado stove when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that orange and brown that was everywhere. Oh yes, oh yes, it was. And my I guess my grandparents had a uh, an orange and brown carpet in their house, which was mm-hmm. vivid. Mm-hmm. But on the bright side, every time I spilled something, nobody noticed. Yeah, that's true. So I, it, I think it would be really brave, and of course stupid, but really brave if the next episode was 54 minutes of just black. <laughs> and then at the very end, something happens? <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. But yeah, people wouldn't stand for that kind of like, that, that would be like very a very artistic approach to doing the next episode, but they wouldn't do it. It could start with black, right? Could start like a good minute or a minute and a half of black, and people like scratching their heads. Because I remember when The Sopranos came out, 
uh, or the end of the Sopranos happened and and the the gist of it in case you missed it is Tony Soprano is supposed to get killed at the end and since it's a, a story of his life the screen goes black for a minute and people thought there was something wrong with the televisions or they thought there was something wrong with the broadcast yeah because they they couldn't under they couldn't understand that that was the end right yeah literally yeah and that is probably the end for most of us just nothing just nothing I can tell you, I've I've had a couple of experiences where my brain has shut down, and the, all I remember was black. Mm. And well, you know, not the battery. That's true. Ooh. Well, before we get too super ex- existential, let's uh, let's yeah. dig into the watch list. Sure, I'm up first. I'm up first. So uh, yeah, this uh, this dropped today. I will uh, probably check it out over the weekend. There's a new uh, Lego cartoon, Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red, up on Disney Plus. And uh, I like I really like the uh, the Lego video games and I really like the Lego cartoons. Uh, certainly watched a ton of them with my daughter over the years. Uh, the, the Batman ones, the Justice League, the, the Marvel superheroes, the Harry Potters, the all the different iterations of all these different things over the years. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it looks funny. And uh, I'll be curious to see uh, what this is about. It doesn't look like it's high, heavy or hard, but it looks fun. So, yeah. Cool. All right. And for me, so I got a couple. One is, uh, this is just, uh, I, I don't even know if it fits in with this story, but I just um, I just saw that Getty Lee of Rush is doing a show on Disney Plus called, Disney Plus, I'm pretty sure, no, Paramount Plus, called uh, Getty Lee Asks, and then our base, our base player is human, and he interviews four prominent bass players, the bass player from uh, Metallica, I think, and... Um, Oh, what's it? You know, the, the, we just saw him, Les Claypool. Yeah. And two other bass players who I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, it's interesting to see him actually getting into television now. So he's done a few documentaries over in long form interviews recently, but and written some books. That's kind of cool. And the other thing I'm watching is kind of ties in with, with uh, Captain Marvel is that Brie Larson is in a show called Lessons in Chemistry, which is very much, it's not a comedy, but it's it's kind of, a, it's got, it does have funny moments. It's got um, a bit of, she's a chemist who, I mean, did I talk about her last week? I can't remember. Maybe did. Did I? I remember. I'm having a deja, movement, deja vu moment. Vujade, this has never happened before. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, no, I did talk. It was my pick last week. Yeah, it's my pick this week again. It's so good. <laughs> so we're four episodes in. Of how many, I don't know. But Are you enjoying Lessons in Chemistry? I've heard some mixed reviews. <laughs> well, it's good. Um, what, are the, what, 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 what could people, I mean, like I said, it's steam comes out of my ears whenever I see any of this sort of, you know, misogynist stuff, but, but that's just the way it was. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what are people saying about it's bad? I just happened, I, I was listening to an, un, uh, it was not an, an explicit review, but they were talking about Brie Larson and, uh, they were just two people on a podcast were talking about how much they both really love Brie Larson as a performer. And obviously she's Academy Award winner. She's terrific in a lot of the stuff she does, but that her choices over the past few years of products to work on, like, you know, even just making the decision to jump straight from winning the Academy Award into being Captain Marvel. And then, you know, uh, just some of the movies that she's decided to do that haven't really. What she win the Academy Award for? For Room. Um, oh, I haven't seen Room yet. And so they were talking about just how, you know, it seemed like she was sort of really ascendant and now it seems like she's she hasn't really uh, had a real star turn over the past few years, other than obviously Captain Marvel, which as Marvel movies go is actually one of the lower rated and less uh, loved ones. 
so yeah, they were just essentially saying, Hey, it's a bit of a shame that she's, she hasn't made more. And one of the people said, Oh, I watched the first few episodes of lessons, lessons in chemistry. I got to admit, I didn't care for it. And that was, again, all I had heard from that. And I thought, Oh, that's disappointing because, uh, obviously when you have somebody of her caliber doing a television program, you think uh, going to elevate it and they did not feel that way. Well, looking at our, our show notes here or the, or sort of our spoiler notes on the Slack channel, Dave Price asks, did anyone catch Mariner, Mariner using the double axe handle punch against the Klingon? <laughs> yes. Yeah, very Kirk. Very Kirk. <laughs> and with the two hands, or the, the putting her two fists together, and yeah, yeah, he, he would do that all the time. Like, I don't know how effective that is, but yeah, and of course we had the uh, the Vulcan nerve pinch as well from... Um, Talin. Uh, yeah. I don't know what her name is. Talin. Talin. Talan. Talin. Talon. Talin. Just remove some vowels from a word and becomes a Vulcan name. <laughs> That's right. Put an apostrophe in inexplicably. It's all good. So my pick is uh, South Park joining the Panderverse, which is a special event on Paramount+. Plus. As you all may recall, there is some uh, kerfuffle between, I want to say it was Max, because they're supposed to be the unique home for South Park episodes. and uh, And yet, somehow... Things that appear to my eye to be effectively South Park episodes come out on Paramount Plus in a separate contract, which uh, is is a little strange because it's like, well, technically it's an event because they don't come out every week. They don't come on a regular basis. This one is uh, 45 plus minutes, so it's longer than a typical episode. Uh, no, no commercial breaks, just start to finish. Uh, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, it is effectively, realistically, uh, another episode of South Park. In this case, well, did, didn't they do a movie or something like that recently? They've like, done several. Yeah. They did uh, COVID, post-COVID, uh, the pandemic special. I think I forget. Yeah, the they name. did two, two of each of those. I think they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're only on Paramount Plus because we talked about that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can purchase them on the iTunes Store, but uh, if you want to stream them, that's the only place you can find them. And that's the same for true for this special too. I I did watch the trailer for this earlier, and it made me laugh. But I'm I'm a little bit behind on my South Park because I didn't have uh, Paramount Plus until recently, so I I want to catch up before I watch uh, Joining the Pandaverse because uh, it it the, just the trailer did make me laugh out loud. Hmm. Yeah, this one is a is a send up in my eyes, predominantly what Disney has been doing with um, the leaning into the multiverse of stuff. And also the uh, we've made this diverse by changing the race of a character, uh, an existing character, as opposed to making an altogether new character who happens to be of a different race. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at JPK News. Or you can find me on YouTube at YouTube.com slash at JPK. All right. And Jaime, if people, people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. It's almost like it's trademark sign off, right? Um, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and I am on the Twitter machine and the oh man Mastodon, Instagram. Uh, what else am I on? Um, threads, Blue Sky. Yeah, that's where you'll find me. And we'll till next time. We'll see you. In, well, will we see you in the future? That's the big question. <laughs> Is there a future? Is there? This episode just happened just... with like you know the the sound of a bang and then just white noise for forty five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like we could just 
theoretically end this episode right here. But we won't. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to have to leave that in, <laughs> which is hard. All right. Anyway, until next time, we'll see you in future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. And indeed, I should be writing today, but I'm, you know, being a rebel, being a rebel. Uh, is that what we're calling procrastinating now? Well, I don't know if it's pro. I mean, I was working on, I was doing some more research, but the problem, the thing about it is like, you know, I had, I had written or planned out these three lessons in such a way that, you know, they were ready. And then I got stuck on the, again, like, as you know, like not, not being a completionist, I had got stuck on the very last part. I had a bug that I figured, I figure I'll do with later. And then I was doing some research on it today, and I went down a whole bunch of rabbit holes. So, yeah, I spent, spent days, days last yesterday on a rabbit hole, a technical one, and today I was running on another rabbit hole um, on the, the, the content I'm going to put into the course. So, yep. But, uh, yeah. But it's got to be it's got to be done soon because it's like rapid fire. It's a big, big topic. It's got to get out before, you know, certain events. So, yeah. yeah. And we have a big mystery black event next week, scary fast event which we'll do another episode of More Than Just Code for. Did you see the announcement for that, Jonathan? No, I don't think so. So Apple, uh, it's funny for Apple, because they normally do their announcements on Tuesdays at around uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then, so that's like 1 p.m. our time, I think, right? Yep. And um, yeah, they're they're doing this one at 5 p.m., I think, Kami, is that right? Which yeah, is 8 p.m. for us. 5 p.m. Pacific 8 p.m. Eastern is how the invitation went out. And it's basically like an Apple logo, if you can imagine, with with like a white, um, it's a white drop shadow or, or outer glow, and it kind of just it rotates around the Apple itself, the Apple logo, and then it morphs into the smiley face from the old Mac Classic desktop. Ooh. So yeah, so we're thinking it's going to be some scary fast Macs. Maybe they're going to be all black. That would be cool too. I may right. They were all like space gray or space black or whatever with black keyboards and black mice and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. black trackpads, which people always want, but only on the, on the very pro machines that they think they had it on the iMac pro. Remember they had that, they had that one special edition that had black keyboards and black trackpads.
Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. It's probably we're we're all anticipating it's gonna be the M three announcement, right? So hmm. and uh I mean who knows? It could be could be IMAX, it could be MacBook Pros, you know, it could be any number of things. So but like for that for that kind of an announcement what they were probably doing, I think it's probably the mainstream Max, right? What's your theory, Jaime? Yeah, people are kind of wondering if it's gonna be M three chip debut. I guess it's uh, reasonable. Um just in time for the the holidays, right? Get your get your kids, uh, get the family, and get whomever stocking stuffers. These uh, yeah. <laughs> two thousand dollar MacBooks. Uh, just... You bought all your computers for your, your students in school. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm waiting for the day when the computer comes out that does the work before I even think about it. I mean, it feels like with uh, large language models like Chat GPT and yeah. Bard and stuff, we're we're almost there, right? Yeah. Bard is that a new one? Bard is Google's uh, competitor to uh, OpenAI oh. slash Microsoft investment uh, ChatGPT. Oh, yeah. I put a, I put an AI on itguy.com, dot com. Eh? I don't know if you saw it. Hmm. it basically, it, it it basically the way chatbots what they use them for is you 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 feed it information, and then when people show up and say, "Do you do this?" It goes, "Yes, we do this," and here's a link to it. You know, kind of thing. Pretty interesting. You know, you have to pay. You have to pay a little bit of. You have to subscribe for some time on Chat, chat GPT, and then obviously get the code to do the the AI. But it's pretty pretty neat. So yeah, yeah. And of course, yeah. it's off, surround with all kinds of upsells, right? So you have to be really careful about that. <laughs> yeah. The um, the natural question is: Can it be can it be broken to tell you to assassinate the queen like it did that one guy? Huh? Yeah, yeah. There was <laughs> there was somebody who got egged on apparently. Allegedly egged on by uh, some uh, some chatbot to uh, attack the then living Queen of England. Really? Yeah. Did I, did wow. I send you guys the link to the New York Times podcast where the the a the AI went kind of nuts and started to convince the guy that his wife didn't love him and his his yeah that I heard was about that. so trippy that was like genuinely yeah. weird and unsettling. And yeah. again, it was it was basically playing the part that it thought that this guy wanted to play of like the sentient AI, right? Like it was extrapolating from what it had learned from crawling that, you know, sometimes people fall in love and their computers become obsessive. And he's like, it was really weird for a second until I realized what it was doing. I'm just watching it. I'm reading a tweet by Paul Hudson that says, ChatGPT confidently wrong makes it a real minefield when it comes up with more complex things. And somebody posted... He asked ChatGPT, "How many zeros are there in fifty-five thousand and eight? Right? And uh, ChatGPT came back. It said, "In the number fifty-five thousand and eight, or so five five zero zero eight, there are three zeros." Uh... And then he's got the picture of um, Picard going, "There are four lights." <laughs> <laughs> There we go. And that that's was the, timely. It's the quality crossover content between more than just code and, and podcast for sure. Yeah, that's exactly. true. That's true. <laughs> Draw the Venn diagram of. Uh... Okay, so I'll, I'm actually logged in as as Spotcast, So I'll go and I'll re retweet that one. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll go over to MTJC and I'll retweet it from there because I have that power. Wow. It's all Where sort of weird I? sort of stuff here. These. Uh, these ways that things of technology have changed. So, you know, the very tail end of this show, we were sort of half joking about like, well, what would we do to end like the way that Loki ended this week? We can't do a, a visual flash kind of thing. It's, there's no fade to black that we can do. So uh, white noise is maybe the best that we can do or utter silence. 
And it reminded me of the fact that like nowadays you can't really have a hidden track when you're listening to an album on streaming, right? Um, just briefly, I remember my, uh, one of my cousins and I, we had a CD copy of uh, Nirvana's Nevermind and didn't realize there was a hidden track, uh, Endless Nameless there at the end uh, after Something in the Way. And then the version that we had, um, after Something in the Way ends, which is where we always thought, oh, it stopped. Okay, let's play everything again or put it on shuffle or what we had. There's like 10 minutes of silence and then you suddenly get this weirdo song. Um, I don't know how you have that sort of thing nowadays. Uh, the yeah, like, the I just yeah, discovered. Yeah. yeah, I think Nirvana did that or somebody did that. Like they had a, an extra bonus track that they snuck on the end of a, of a CD, I think. Right, John? Yeah, I mean that's one Jaime's reference, but it was it was pretty uh, common occurrence in the '90s and, and early 2000s for artists to hide a track in their in their albums on CD because that was the format, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did everybody do it as like I think what we recall is the last song when you see it in a upgraded CD player, so not just one that could play the music and change tracks, but one that showed you. Um, uh, playing in details we finally saw and said oh that's why it's like 20 minutes or something like that right because you've got you know a song that's like uh less than five minutes and another song that's quite a bit longer like like seven-ish minutes and then 10 minutes of silence in between so you just add it up it's like oh this this weirdo 20 minute song yeah 20 minute track i should say 20 minute track yeah yeah, there's, I mean, it, it was an interesting thing because, again, the artists had more space than they were used to, and they weren't being published in on vinyl at that point, right? So there was no need for a parallel. Yeah. A lot of them weren't even putting out a vinyl version of their of their music, so it didn't really become an issue. But, of course, quickly it transitioned from CD to, uh, to digital, and then, you're right, Jaime, it just sort of became a bit of a weird thing where you know you get this sort of long stretch of silence which i guess if you're listening to an entire album i've never i must admit i don't think i've ever done this because most of the stuff that i would do that like if i'm gonna put on nevermind i'll just put on i have the the cd but i i'd be curious to uh to know how that does play out on something like spotify Yeah, if you wanted to be authentic, it really should play silence for 10 minutes and make you wonder what what happened um and i guess it it was sort of the era not that long after when people started putting uh, like music videos also on the CD as like, I, I yeah. assume it must've been like postage stamp sized videos. By, well, uh, yeah, like I have a couple of Peter Gabriel albums that have, or discs that had, they used to have a multimedia thing where you'd put it into your computer and it would play tracks. Right. But all that stuff doesn't work anymore. Right. Cause the, the software doesn't, well, I mean, some of my old computers will play it, but. Yeah, like there's, I think there's a new Gabriel album I have that has like a CD media thing on it. Yeah, I have a few different ones. I mean, I, I have a pretty massive, as Tim knows, a pretty massive music collection. And uh, yeah, there's actually, there's a number of, of discs over the years that have a multimedia component. Some of them would have video content as well. Some of them would have uh, extra tracks or outtakes or, you know, early drafts of stuff. And um, I, I remember one in particular was a Matthew Good uh, album where when you popped it in your player, it basically got you access to a secret website. And from that website, you could mm. download a couple of other versions of some of the songs. So it was basically like adding MP3s into your your mix for 
purchasing the the CD, but you couldn't access that site without getting the URL from the from the disc. Yeah, and there was also I don't know if you like the I mean Sergeant Pepper's original cut had oh uh, yeah Her Majesty in the very inner spiral they, the Beatles had put a track a little loop right. Yeah, I, I just uh, pasted into our show notes the uh, the, the hidden track uh, thing from uh, from Wikipedia, and there's actually a pretty yeah. pretty long list of of stuff in here. Of course, they mention Her Majesty the, from from uh, Abbey Road um, mm-hmm. on there, and of course they did that for uh, for a couple of Beatles albums. But yeah, they even mentioned the double grooving that they used to do on some albums, right? Like uh, they mentioned Magic and Tie and Handkerchief, the Monty Python record that uh, that has. Uh, another groove that you can find on the on the vinyl. You know, so here we go here. So they talk about the, the 1991 CD, never mind. So 10-year-old me and my also 10-year-old cousin, who, for those of you kiddos who's, uh, whose birth year starts with a 20, um, we didn't have the interwebs back then in the, in the US of A. Uh, it's certainly not like we, we would have, you know, nowadays. So to us... I don't remember exactly what we thought, but it might as well have been a ghost has <laughs> inhabited yeah. this music player because we, you know, the track listing says 12 songs. It wasn't playing anything. Obviously, it must have been done. We were, we were doing something else. We weren't just, you know, watching the, the CD player move along. We were, you know, playing video games or doing whatever it was we were doing. And it went silent. Okay, whatever. Nobody, you know, felt like getting up to start the disc again. And, uh, suddenly it starts playing music which what would your reaction be exactly like oh <laughs> hidden track of like we're 10 we didn't know about hidden tracks how would we have discovered that unless somebody <laughs> specifically brought up hey here's these hidden tracks on vinyl records sort of thing right yeah yeah and there's also also like uh before the internet you know we used to have to run our records backwards but on the wall there's a song called empty spaces and the line is what will you we use to fill the empty spaces and right after this is sort of weird sound effect and if what it is is actually roger waters talking like recorded and put on the thing backwards hmm. and, it, and it says congratulations you've discovered the secret message and then send your message to old pink care of and he puts an address in there <clears throat> ongoing history of new music new music um alan cross has covered this stuff a lot yeah special he did a whole series on vinyl um records like i think four or five seasons four or five series long but it's all about he does alternative music as opposed to like mainstream stuff but yeah mm-hmm. Jaime, did you see the uh in the same document the same article uh the weird al yankovic one in here so weird al yankovic's bite me from the album off the deep end was put which which of course has the homage to the nirvana cover it's him naked in the pool um was put on after 10 minutes of silence to scare listeners who had forgotten to turn off the CD player. It was a loose parody of Endless Nameless by Nirvana. The cover of Off the Deep End is also a parody of the album, uh, containing the track Nevermind, and its first track is a parody of the album's first track, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, like that, I like that he was actually using it. He's weaponizing the hidden track. <laughs> I actually have a, 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 one of the songs I listened to by Tom Petty, where he says at the beginning of the song, or the end of the song? I think it's the end of the song. He says, uh, so he says, this message is for the people who are on the LPs. It's now to turn the time to turn the thing over. But <laughs> if you're listening on the CD, it's not, you know, just sit tight. We'll be right back. Yeah. And it, kind of looking down this list by the time. So if I was 10, when never mind, by the time that Green Day's Dookie debuts, which also has the, 
the secret song, a uh, hidden track all by myself. We knew what to do then, right? By yep. this point, we would have been like 13. So yep. um, it was something that by the time, you know, I obviously I'm just a bit older than you, Jaime. By the time, you know, we were in our teen years and these things started popping up, when we bought a new CD, we would pop it in the player and see. Like, that was a question. Became, you could see uh, the number of tracks on the... Cause it, no, because it's not technically a track. They would just make a really long last track, right? Because okay. it would be... It wasn't like a separate song most of the time. It was actually the last file on the CD would be like 26 minutes long. And it would be like a five-minute song and then like 10 minutes of silence and then another song, right? So it was deliberately meant to be like obscured by the fact that is that. But you'd go, it really became clear when we started ripping stuff for the first time, right? You'd get a CD and you'd make a copy of yeah. it. And you yep. pop it in there, and you'd be like, "Why is the last track like twenty-two minutes long?" And oh, there it is. Okay, there's there's a bonus track in there. Hmm. Definitely, uh, definitely a different era. The other sort of related thing that comes to mind um, in terms of uh, how information is so different. You know, more. I, look, I looked this up. So, Mortal Kombat Two came out in arcades in 1993. And back in those days, kiddos, you couldn't just look on the interwebs to see, oh, what exactly is all the move list? What's all the fatalities? No, no, no. You found the one kid. And I don't know how these kids, you know, if there was like a secret cabal of them throughout the United <laughs> States or something like I don't know how this uh, traveled in some viral sense. But back then you would have some kid who would have the magic $10 a copy from like Kinko's uh, complete move list from Mortal Kombat. And I just looked up a inflation calculator at $10 per copy at $90.93 would be worth uh, $20 today, mm. a little bit over $20. So that's quite a, quite a chunk of change. So, you know, you go to Kinko's, you, you get this out, you know, that kid was easily selling like 10 copies right there. So that's actually some pretty shrewd entrepreneurship. And we used to get that stuff. Like when I was, uh, I was a nerdy kid big shock uh we used to buy like game pro and uh, egm mm -hmm. and other like gaming magazines right off the racks and they would have a lot of that stuff right the little codes the cheat codes for like your home video games and sometimes they would have arcade breakdowns and stuff like that and that was again you 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 sort of could use that in turn as like a currency of like, oh, hey, how about we get together on Friday night? I've got all the cheat codes and people would be like, oh, yeah, come on over. Yeah, I I assume that somebody initially had, uh, you know, like a parent or somebody who worked at uh, Midway Games and just like, exfiltrated <laughs> this uh, this information yeah, from the really. company uh, and somehow it made its way. Uh, El Paso, Texas. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a major city, but it's not like New York or L.A. size. And somehow it made it to us hmm. up there in the desert. Yeah, it does make you uh, appreciate how everything's at your fingertips. The number of times I have said to my kids over the years, you literally have the font of human knowledge in your pocket. Please stop asking me questions. You know, like, <laughs> I'm I'm a smart person. I have a very strong memory, but please, you know, there are lines, and I know you have a device that can give you all that information. Yeah, yeah, I, but, uh, but is it properly cataloged? That's the question. Well, and is it from a reliable source? Is the game I like to play with my kids because, of course, uh, my background and, and experiences yeah. says always question the source of information. Yeah, 
I love it when people say, you know, they are out to get us and they are doing this. And I'm always thinking, like, first response I ask, who's they? And also, if you want to really be conspiratorial, they don't care about you. Not even yeah. a little bit. Yeah, true. That's, you that's you are true. less than the dirt on their shoes. Yeah, that's the part about conspiracy theories that I just... That, this makes it unfathomable. This, is this they, billionaire is trying care. to control us. Like, yeah, the billionaire doesn't yeah. need to control you. He's a billionaire. Yeah. Buy you, buy and sell you ten times over. Yeah. Yeah, I love, uh, I love a good. Uh, I, I go into the Reddit conspiracy boys uh, boards when I have a good laugh. It, uh, it's always fun to see people what they've cooked up lately. Hmm. That and uh, I don't know if you guys watch the Daily Show, but uh, Jordan Klepper going to the Trump rallies is one of my favorite things I've ever watched in my entire life where uh, he's a comedian and he goes to these, these Trump rallies and he asks very logical questions and watches these people just walk themselves off the plank. It is so funny. The one from last week that just had me in stitches was where he, he's talking to this person at a Trump rally and this person is decked out head to toe in Trump gear, just, you know, like shirt, flag, hat, the whole nine yards. And he says, why are you, know, why are you here at this rally? And he says, well, because the ordinary Americans can't afford uh, to you know, make ends meet anymore. And, and you know, money's gotten so tight, and I'm here to protest. And he says, oh, cool. Can I ask you about your fit? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, you know, well, tell me what you got here. And he goes, oh, I've got this, and I got that. And he goes, well, how much does that cost? And he goes, oh, this one's 30 bucks, and this one's 50 bucks, and this is this, and this, and this. And he goes, how many Trump hats would you say you've got? And he goes, oh, I love Trump hats. I, I buy them all the time. I must have 30. And he goes, and they cost like 25 bucks a pop. He's like, oh, yeah, sometimes they're even more expensive than that. And he goes, and ordinary people are having a tough time making ends meet, huh? And the guy just sort of looks at him sort of confoundedly. I'm like, yep, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I like when uh, people get uh, caught in their own webs. Yeah, scary, though. They all get a vote. Yeah, well, that's how it works. Unfortunately, mm. there's no uh, IQ test to get your vote in. What's the climate like down there in uh, in uh, Seattle, Jaime? You know, we're we're mostly uh, okay because it's um, it's more at the national level with the the Speaker of the House stuff. Oh, that was I, I must admit, perverse glee watching that happen down there. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, we had the same thing, and it, it took us like a week. Yeah, it was a different circumstance. Ours put their foot firmly in their mouth and had to be fired. So it was a different circumstance. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. just the, the backstabbing and infighting and oh, my goodness, it just was so interesting yeah. to read all the different angles on it. And oh, what a mess. Yeah. Yep. Yes, three Bob. All right. All right. On that happy note. Until next week. <laughs> Until we meet again. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. Okay, bye. Later. Bye. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.